frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Film church. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Did you see that crap? All that horror crap? Things coming out of crates and eating people. Dead people coming back to life. People turning into weeds, for Christ's sake. Well, you want him reading that stuff? All right, then. I took care of it. That's why God made fathers, babe. That's why God made fathers. Hello, and welcome to Film Church Radio's Darnish Horror Month. This is the podcast that treats cinema as a religion. It's Sunday. I'm Brandon. And I'm Lewis. And we are here to reach cinematic enlightenment. Uh, each week, Lewis and I alternate picking a film for both of us to watch and discuss. And since it is the Darnish Horror Month, I picked the film Creep Show from 1982, directed by George A. Romero. Uh, this uh, was a screenplay written by Stephen King. Um, it is an anthology film, so it stars many people, um, including Hal Hallbrook, Adrian Barbu, Fritz Weaver, Leslie Nielsen, Ted Danson, Ed Harris, and many, many more. Um, this is a film that has been on my list for a while. Um, I believe my parents saw the film together uh, back in 90, 1982 when it was in theaters um, before they were married, because uh, I believe they got married in 83. Um, and my dad has only seen this film the one time. I, I think both of my parents have only seen the film the one time, but he brings it up every once in a while because I think it just really creeped him out. <laughs> and I thought maybe I had seen it before, but after watching it, realized I hadn't. I just hear my dad talk about it every once in a while. Um, so we'll get in, into some of the creepy stuff that <laughs> is in this movie as we get into the episode, but both Lewis and I went into this film cold. We didn't know much about it um, other than a few things that, that my dad had said. So hope you enjoy the episode. Keep listening. Um, I'm going to get to the movie here in a bit, uh, but first we want to say thanks to everyone who has been listening to the show. And please share it with everyone you know so we can spread the love of Film Church and uh, this holy thing that we call cinema. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can, of course, find us on all the social medias at Film Church Radio, um, and we post extra content and little clips and stuff on, on our social media channels. So go find us, give us a like, and share us. Um, before we get into the film... We're going to discuss other films and just chat for a bit. Uh, yeah. Other things that we've been watching this week. Um, so, yeah. How you doing, Lewis? I'm doing good, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing good. I'm enjoying our um, Danish Horror Month. Um, yeah, it's been good so far. It has. We've had some, some crackers, and we're going to get onto Creep Show in a little bit. but um, Getting su sufficiently creeped out. That's right, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, what have you been, been watching? It's been a good. It's been a good one. I mean, um, my um, Harold Lloyd, um, I don't know, like Awakening, I guess, has been carrying on. So yeah. I watched Never Weaken from nineteen twenty one, um, which is a short, um, and it's on HBO Max. If you want to go and watch, it's like twenty two minutes, and it's kind of the precursor to Safety Last. So. Okay. Um, 
it it features like similar stunts, I guess, and you can see that kind of idea snowballing into the um, the climax of Safety Last, where he's kind of climbing a building, you know, and high above the streets. Yeah. Um, and it was something that I'd read about while kind of reading about Safety Last, and I was like, I'm gonna go and watch it. So, um, like I said, it was only 20 minutes, um, and it's just a great little silent comedy short. Um, and talking of Safety Last. Um, September 29th is now Silent Movie Day. And this oh. was the second year that it had been done. The first year, um, it was set up in a few cinemas around the US um, as just as a kind of a day to show silent films in cinemas, you know, and nice. get people to be like, okay, this is how they're supposed to be watched, you know. Yeah. Um, and then this year it grew a little bit. So there was a cinema, there was a few cinemas in like London and Toronto. Um, showing them so it's kind of starting to branch out now go a bit international um but texas theater here in texas um that i've never been to and is yeah. historically significant for many reasons yeah um we're, t- we're taking part and guess what film they were showing brandon well i i, <laughs> you know, I can't but... guess because i know <laughs> But it was Safety Last. It was the film that I've watched a couple of times already this year. Um, but I had to go. You know, I had to yeah. go and see it on the big screen. And um, it was, like I said, it was my first time at Texas Theatre. So it was just a big event. You know? Yeah, that's it awesome. Was, it was great. Yeah. yeah, I'm so excited you went. I've been wanting to to take you there or get you to go there for a long time. Because it is yeah. a, a really cool theatre. Yeah, and I know it's stupid, but the one thing that's kind of kept me from going is because I am a big guy. I'm six foot five, and you know, pretty, pretty large. Uh, I was de- I was really worried that the seats would be the most uncomfortable things ever, <laughs> and that I would just hate being in there. Yeah. You know, because with the old theater seats, I kind of you don't feel like they're going to be wide enough, and there's not going to be enough leg room. And yeah, um, but it wasn't at all. It was so comfortable, and you know, it, the the theater itself was just so unique. Did you so the during COVID they they like redid uh the top floor and they actually put a second screen in there. So were you on the in the main floor or were you on the top? It was in the main floor. Yeah, okay, so cool. It was in the in the um the main auditorium place. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's a really um, cool place. It is. I mean, yeah, and. I just had a look it, on the poster when I came out, and you know, even though it was Silent Film Day, they'd showed the kid earlier that year, earlier that month. They're showing Nosferatu next month. Yeah, you know, I feel like I've missed out all this time. Yeah, it's been right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they also showed Creep Show the other day too. They did. Yeah, yeah. and unfortunately, we weren't able to go. But um, yeah, it seems like since I picked this film, uh, I've been seeing Creep Show pop up every. Of course, it's also October. But yeah. it seems like there's been a resurgence because I haven't. I, it feels like I haven't heard many people talk about this film. You know, we'll get into that. But yeah. you know, um, but it could be that I'm just paying attention right now. <laughs> yeah, one of those things that you just notice it more. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that was that was a blast, and getting to see Safety Last again on the big screen was was really really fun. Um, Did it change and, like sit the movie for you at all? Seeing it on um, the big screen, it it was just. I, I felt more in it. I mean, you do, don't you? You kind of get, yeah. Um, it's not as easy to get distracted. And um, I took my parents and my sister who are in town from England. Yeah. <clears throat> I took them to it. Um, 
and my sister's never seen a silent movie before and you know my dad's seen kind of some laurel and hardy stuff but they all loved it sweet yeah and i was like it worked you know i could just tell that um like on the way back they were asking questions about him and like how they filmed it and you know all that kind of stuff and i was like it worked you know this is somebody that in the future if there's a silent film they're not gonna they're potentially gonna go and see it you know yeah that's really cool because i mean i'm i'm sure it feels like such a a unique thing to be able to share Mm -hmm. something you love so much with your family like that in a theater setting you know yeah because it's so it's so much better than just being like okay sit on the sofa and want to show you this silent film yeah and people kind of get distracted because it's kind of like pulling their phones out yeah Yeah. it's (laughs) like you can't you've got to watch it you know um and yeah they they were kind of they got really into it you know that's awesome Um, yeah it was great uh and then because it's been obviously october there's been a few horror films that i've been trying to tick off so we finally watched prey um from this year the predator kind of reboot prequel yeah standalone um it's really good Mm -hmm. and i know you've seen it um, yeah and I'm not going to get like spoiler spoiler, but I think the setting was genius. I think yeah. it worked really well. Um, the the cinematography was beautiful. I loved the kind of the nature of it and the the kind of water and the trees and everything. It looked really it looked really stylish. Yeah. Um, and it was just like boiled it down to what the original's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it just worked. Yeah, it was fun. Just like yeah. a fun predator movie. Just kind of what you want yeah yeah and just out of the blue i wasn't expecting it to be that good that good yeah, yeah exactly um and then we watched x um i think did it come out beginning of this year yeah i think so yeah um ty west's um horror film set in the 70s um and i really loved it it's yeah. got elements of psycho elements of texas chainsaw massacre friday the 13th like all these kind of horror staples kind of all rolled together into something a little bit different. Um, the characters are great. I mean, you know, everyone's talking about Mia. Um, is it Mia Goth, I think? I think so, yeah. Um, everyone's talking about her performance. Um, she is really good. But as a whole, it just it just worked. It had that feeling of, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre in terms of it's shot pretty low budget in kind of one location. Yeah. And it just kind of amps up and up and up and up, you know. Um, and it was a it's a surprise. I really really liked it, and I'm looking forward to seeing Pearl because I yeah. think it's just finishing its cinema run. Yeah, so it will be out on um, streaming and stuff soon. Yeah, I'm excited uh, to see both. I might. Uh, I'm sure we're gonna have a few horror movie nights this month, so I'll try to suggest yeah. it one of those nights and get yeah. people to watch it. I know that you're again my Texas theater kind of new obsession, but I think they're showing him double bill. I saw that today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, this month there's about like 10 things that I would be like, yeah, I want to go to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, <clears throat> I'm in Dallas every once in a while, but I'm mainly yeah. in Houston right now. So I wish, I think they're, they're renovating one, an old theater down there. Uh, but I, I don't know. I haven't really found my, my place yeah. down there yet but yeah. I've, I've only been down there a little while so mm. yeah it's hard isn't it you never know whether it's just going to be a old 
place that's showing like new films or if it's going to be someone that really cares about film. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I did watch a couple of um, like new releases. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watched Don't Worry Darling in the cinema. Yeah. Um, the highly talked about Olivia Wilde film um, yeah. with Florence Pugh and Harry Styles. Um, I think I think the ideas start off really interesting. Um, I'm trying not to talk about Harry Styles because he's not very good, but the ideas start off really interesting and it just fizzles. There doesn't seem to be kind of, I don't know, it never kind of pays off in a satisfying way for me. Yeah. You know, because I must admit for, you know, 75% of the film, I was like, okay, where is this going? You know, this is kind of interesting. What are they going to do? Um, yeah. And then when it finally gets to the end, you're a bit like, oh, that's that's what they chose. You know, that's the yeah. that's the direction they went after all that. Um, Florence Pugh's incredible. You know, Chris Pine plays a really good kind of creepy semi-villain, I guess. He's, you know, it's hard to yeah. put him as the villain, but um, which is a new kind of role for him. It's just It's just a bit bland in the end. It's not satisfying at all yeah it's unfortunate i mean especially putting all that time and money into a film to not like stick the landing i haven't seen it but i mean yeah um especially with all the hype that is getting and all the controversy and stuff it's like at least i don't know i know it's hard to make a good movie yeah yeah it is yeah but you, I mean, we know that they go through, you know, loads and loads of script rewrites and kind of looking yeah. it over and seeing. And I just can't believe that this is the best that they could come up with. Yeah, you that know, this is what was greenlit. Yeah, yeah. And the last film I'm going to talk about, just to get through it quickly, is uh, a film called Funny Pages, um, directed by Owen Klein, who was um, the young boy in Noah Baumbach's film. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this is which his, film? The Squid and the Whale. Okay. Sorry. Um, so this is his like kind of feature film debut, I think. Um, and he's only about twenty four mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, and he's like a up and coming, not really up and coming. He he's aspiring to be a comic book artist, um, but more kind of the underground comics, um, and kind of reaches this crossroads in his life where he takes one direction. Um, and the trailer looks really interesting. It's kind of like the indie vibe that I kind of get drawn towards. Um, I hated it. I thought yeah. it was just the most mean-spirited film. All the characters were just horrible to each other for no reason. Yeah. And I could tell that they were going for that kind of quirky, you know, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know if they were purposefully supposed to be horrible or whether they just missed time like miscalculated some of the acting yeah from the people but it just like the whole way through i was like i I don't like anyone in this film there's no one that i can like gravitate towards yeah you know um and it was a real shame because i thought it was going to be really good you know from the trailer and stuff it was one that kind of like sought out yeah, I'm kind of um, surprised too because I I remember reading about the film and I put it on yeah. my watch list recently because it sounded really good. I think it's doing like some big festivals, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I know that like from Letterbox, at least a lot of people really liked it, and you know they're calling it kind of like the male Ladybird 
Um, hmm. And you know how much I love Lady Bird. Yeah. It's kind of one of my fa- you know favorite films from recent years. And not once did it cross my mind that it was anything like that. I was just like, this is just... Love. Not working. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just not working for me. Um, which is a shame, you know, and maybe, maybe that's what they were trying to go for, you know, cause he is from, um, a privileged background. So maybe they were like, I don't know, shining a light on that. I don't know, but hmm. it just didn't work at all for me, um, yeah. which was a real shame. Oh, well, yeah, there's always another film to watch that's going to work. So yeah, <laughs> just short that one down to a loss. <laughs> uh, what have you been watching, dude? <clears throat> oh yeah me i forgot i was like about to go on to creep show uh so i've watched a few things uh one of them was the black phone which i yeah. tried to go see it in theaters it only just left like a month ago or so yeah. i mean it was doing it did pretty well i think this summer uh but the black phone it's got ethan hawk in it um and uh it's i think it's on hulu now mm. i think uh, yeah. it, it's on one of the streaming services. So we found it and watched it one night cause we were wanting to watch something horror esque and, uh, and it was really good. Um, Ethan Hawke is, is amazing. It's, it's kind of, um, it's the closest thing I could equate it to is maybe stranger things as far as the, the feel and tone and stuff, yeah. but it's kind of does some horror genre mixing, which is mm. fun. Um, and I guess kind of Stranger Things does that too, but, and it also takes place in the seventies, I think. So it's a period piece. Yeah. Um, but it was a really good story. Very well executed. The director, I believe directed the first Dr. Strange and I think Sinister, is that the other, the other horror movie that Ethan Hawke is in? I Um, think that does ring a bell. Yeah, Yeah. Without kind of looking. Yeah. I think, uh, he directed those, those two films and then. Obviously, he got kicked off of Doctor Strange 2, and he went back to kind of doing what he loves, yeah. horror stuff. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it was really good. Uh, and I, I found out today that the short story that it's based on was actually written by Joe Hill, which is Stephen King's son, who's also yeah. in the movie that we're talking about <laughs> later. Uh, I was like, oh, shit, Like that's kind of yeah. crazy. Um, but yeah, so I, I highly recommend it. Very good, like up to date horror film. Sweet. Um, and Ethan Hawke is always great. Um, and then also with all the talk of, uh, Brendan Fraser lately, um, Mm. in his new film, film, uh, the whale, I think it is. Yeah. Um, we, uh, went and watched, or put on the mummy, um, the original, well, not original, original, but the the first Brandon Fraser one, which is, I think, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's fun. It, it's a it's a fun. It's it holds up pretty well. Um, I mean, the effects are uh, you know, not as great in some of the shots, yeah. but the the little bug creatures still work really well as a CGI effect, and they're still. Yeah. I mean, I remember that being so. I was just gonna freaky. say. Yeah, they, the fact that they went under the skin, you could see them crawl around. Yeah, scared me to death. Yeah, yeah, same here. Um, and Brendan Fraser's performance—it's interesting. In retrospect, like 
of all the things that have come after, and I guess some of the things mm. that came before, but he's very, in, in that movie, he's very much a kind of Indiana Jones, like Harrison Ford, um, yeah. Chris Pratt kind of hero, you mm. know? Um, I, I There's so many action stars like that that just, you know nail that role so well and, and yeah. he do, he he hits it like really well um and uh yeah that's what it's a fun movie and i'm sure if you're a brendan fraser fan you know yeah. you've seen it a million times we are um, going to go back to it soon i keep mentioning it because uh chelsea and i really like it so we're, yeah. we're looking for the reason to go back soon yeah and kind of watch the first two at least yeah yeah I don't know if I'll watch any more yeah. <laughs> after the first one, but um, I mean, I I enjoy the films, but they were never like my franchise or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then the other film that I watched was uh, Licorice Pizza. Uh, nice. It was a rewatch. Um, I had seen it, of course, earlier this year when it was out in cinemas mm. and. Um, yeah, it, it's still a five out of five for me. The film is really, awesome. really good. I mean, the performances yeah. are amazing. The storytelling is really good. I think I might not go back to it again for a while, though, because it's um, the film works so well the first time you watch it, I think. Mm. Um, and And then going back to it, it's just already knowing the story, yeah. you know, it, it, I, yeah. I didn't get anything new out of it really, which is kind of surprising. It's usually the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it just works so well, you know, you think the joy comes more from the like surprises. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and not really knowing where it's going and, mm. and especially the tension, the, the tension of, uh, the, the whole sequence with Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Oh, it's so good! Like the first time you watch it, because it's just you're just on the edge of your seat. Yeah. Um. And it's still great. I mean, it's obviously it's it's a great movie. Um, mm. but it's, I think it's one that I want to kind of like, maybe forget about for a little while and then go back and watch it again. Yeah. To, to enjoy it again, you know what I mean? Yeah, because it's, it's it's up on streaming now, isn't it? Um. Yeah, I think it was on cause... Prime. Yeah, because I keep seeing it, and I'm, you know, I'm tempted to go back and watch it as well. Because it was, I mean, it is great. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe give it a little bit more time. Yeah, till I forget bits. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, lose a few more brain cells. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was it for me, man. So. Awesome. Some good ones. Yes, on to creep show. Ladies and gentlemen, from 1982, uh, Letterboxd summarizes the film. Well, the tagline for the film is the most fun you'll ever have being scared. <laughs> um, and the the summary is inspired by the EC comics of, 1950, of the 1950s. George A. Romero and Stephen King bring five tales of terror to the screen. So, yeah, like I said, um, my dad... Uh, brings this film up every once in a while and it particularly the um the last story uh mm. they're creeping up on you um because i think it just creeped him out yeah and uh, understandably it's it's uh 
I mean, I don't know. There's a few people out there that might enjoy bugs, but most people <laughs> yeah, are yeah. creeped out. Um, and it sounds, I mean, the way that he kind of described it, it just sounded so familiar, like something maybe I had seen before. But like I said, when I when I watched it, realized, oh, I I, I don't think I've seen any of this. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, just just kind of went into it cold. I didn't know it was going to be an anthology. Um, and a lot of it surprised me. And uh, I, of course, I love Ramiro. You know, yeah. Night of the Living Dead, yeah. Dawn of the Dead. Um. You know he's the the father of the zombie film, mm-hmm. and so I I expected that I was going to enjoy it a lot, but I also didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Um, where were you coming at going into this film? What was your expectation, or had you heard anything about the film? So I didn't know anything about any of the segments. Um, I, I recognized the is it like the the typeface. For creep show, uh-huh. I know this sounds really strange. And the ghoul that's on the poster, yeah, I feel like they, those two together are very um, recognizable and yeah. kind of slightly iconic. Um, but I didn't know until I kind of started to research that it was an anthology, um, yeah, all written by Stephen King. They were two things that kind of caught me off guard, um, and directed by Romero. You know, yeah. of, <laughs> all of those things kind of seemed a little bit. Like I should know it, you know. Um, I love Stephen King. I've read a lot of his like books and um, really enjoy his work. Um, and I think that some of the best horror films are adapted from his work. So yeah. when I kind of found that out, I was very, very excited to kind of jump in and and see um, what he what he can do. Because um, if I do have one criticism, it's that sometimes Stephen King doesn't know how to end a book. So I was hoping with them being vignettes, it would be a little bit, I don't know, tighter, I guess. Yeah. The ending would be good. So I was excited to see, you know, and this is me being very critical of someone that's an incredible artist. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for but sure. I was, yeah, I was stoked to kind of go in and just see um, these little segments, you know. Yeah. Um, and it didn't disappoint. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun time, you know. Yeah. And each one is brisk. It feels like... You're just getting started, and then it's kind of the end on to the next one. Yeah, yeah, I, um, yeah, I had a lot of fun watching it. I've, I, I feel like I'm going to, um, like I'm really. I watched it by myself for for you mm. know to record the podcast and stuff, but I really am excited to show this to a group of people, maybe that yeah. come that are coming over or something, and uh, wanting to watch a horror film. Yeah, that haven't heard of this or seen it or or something like that because I feel like this is, it's kind of the perfect Halloween movie night movie, hmm. in my opinion because yeah. it's, um, there's kind of something for everybody, almost you know if if people aren't really into it it's yeah. over quick and it uh, like you said on to the next one, it doesn't take itself too seriously yeah either you know yeah yeah so. Let's get into the segments a little bit. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to go through each segment chronologically and just kind of <clears throat> share some of our thoughts because they're, they're a bit thematically kind of all over the place. You know? Yeah. So yeah. it's going to be hard to talk about this film as a whole away from each segment. 
I do want to talk about the film as a whole, though, at yeah. the end, because I I want to see if we can see any uh, through lines of themes. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that. So, so there is a prologue and an epilogue, and then there's like five stories. Yeah. Um, the prologue, you know, it, it starts off, and this kid is reading this. Or he, his dad has found the comic book. He's like getting onto his kid for reading this comic, and he thinks it's trash. And um, the kid is played by Joe Hill, which is Stephen King's son. Yeah. I'm not sure at what point he changed his name. Mm. Um, or probably why. just to, you know, separate break himself. out his own a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it's weird that he picked the name Hill. It's like King of the Hill. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Some inside joke or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it starts off with the kid, and he's like, he's a good little actor, and and mm. it just it it sets the tone. I feel like for the film because it's um, I don't know, it's just so dark right off the bat. Yeah. I mean, the dad is like obviously an abuser. Yeah. You know, and um, and you don't really know what to expect, and then this kid is like sitting in bed sees this floating skeleton and is outside his window and he's like happy yeah it's like oh it's my friend <laughs> um yeah and and it also like sets the tone as like a good halloween movie because there's yeah. the you know the pumpkin the shot of the pumpkin is like the opening shot of the film mm. um yeah, so how how were you feeling when the when this prologue started? Um yeah, I was just kind of intrigued as to where it was going to go. I knew, like I said, I knew that it was going to be an anthology um before I started watching it. Um and when it kind of started with the epilogue, uh, I was intrigued, you know, to see kind of what it was setting us up for because yeah. normally that kind of thing sets the tone a little bit, which it does. You know, as you said, it kind of sets up um a lot of the things that we're going to see later on in the segments well, yeah and then surprisingly like when i was going back I, I after watching it i went back and watched the the prologue and the you know the quote that you you read at the beginning of our show hmm. is in the prologue and the dad kind of lays out everything you're about to see yeah like he's like things coming out of crates and eating people dead people coming back to life yeah people turning into weeds like yeah. he you'd miss it you know, the, mm. on your first watch because you don't know what you're about to get into, but it's like, oh, that's that's everything you're about to yeah. see right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we kind of get sucked into the comic book. It kind of takes us yeah. through the stories that the boy was reading um, one by one, starting with Father's Day. Yeah. Um, um, which also the opening credits I love. Like the yeah. whole animation and that the music. Yeah. It's... it's <laughs> It's like I don't know. It's it. It's the kind. It's obviously the kind of animation like you don't get anymore. So there's like this cool nostalgia for this. Yeah. Old school hand drawn animation stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then we get into Father's Day. Yeah. And before we get like in in in, did you um, notice the the link to Rebecca in this segment? <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. So, <laughs> well, the the lady's name is Mrs. Danvers. Yeah. Is that is there any more than that? I or don't it, think there's any okay. more than that, but when she was kind of running through the house shouting, Mrs. Danvers, Mrs. Danvers, yeah. <laughs> I was like, 
Oh, no. Where, uh, where are we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that down. I was like, Mrs. Danvers. She's here. Um, yeah, Mrs. If, if the listeners don't know, Mrs. Danvers is a, a character in Alfred Hitchcock's film, uh, Best Winning Picture, Rebecca. Yeah. Um, and you can go hear us talk all about that in one of our previous episodes. Yeah. Um, but that was the first thing that I wanted to do. I just, I just didn't want to forget that um, Mrs. Danvers was in it, back yeah. from the flames. Yeah. Um, so this segment, um, the the standout thing to me at first was Ed Harris. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, whoa, there's Ed Harris, and he's like super young. and Yeah. He's gotten really Not nice bristled. hair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is not the actually the first film that he did with George Romero. Uh, he did a film before this, I think, Night Riders. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's that's a film I haven't seen that I would like to go back and watch because like having someone, I feel like Romero is not someone you kind of equate to big name actors. No. You know, most of his films are yeah. kind of unknowns, and he, I think he likes to do it that way. I mean, he talks about this in the behind the scenes on Creep Show that um, he likes to find act, or it's better when a horror film has unknown actors because you don't have any expectation. You know, yeah, you're not you, sure who's going to survive, kind of. Yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah, um, but they kind of decided to go a different way with this. That, yeah. Um, kind of bigger name people would be would be better um for these short stories yeah um which a lot of the people i mean i guess are pretty famous you might know some of them more than me um i didn't recognize a lot of them but ed harris is is yeah. someone that i know pretty well um and uh ironically my uh great aunt actually went to um drama school with him Oh wow! At That's the University awesome. of Oklahoma, but she has no memory of it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so must have been like, a real good time. <laughs> yeah, like her son, um, like figured it out one day. Like you know, he's also a big theater person, yeah. and and uh, and he, uh, yeah, figured out that they were went to school at the same time and and were in the same productions together. Wow. And was like, hey, mom, like you went yeah. to school with Ed Harris, like do you, you've never told me about this, and like it's sh- keep showing her pictures of, of of him and stuff, and she's like, I don't remember him. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe, uh, maybe if we show her this film, she might, yeah, might look a little more familiar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this film, uh, this uh, story, the Father's Day, um, mm. it was a lot of fun, I feel like. I, yeah, I was going to say, I think this is the best blend of the horror and comedy Yeah. Um, for, from all of them. Because I know this is kind of touted as, you know, a, a comedy horror. Yeah. In some ways, there's some funny elements. But um, there's just something about a corpse, like, killing people, screaming, where's my cake, that just tickled <laughs> me. Um, yeah. It's, it's incredible. It's very funny. Yeah. Um, I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, and and then parts of it just like surprised me, you know, like yeah, I don't know. I almost expected this film to be um, 
more cheesy, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. especially because it's like a low budget. Mm. You know, so I expected maybe some of the effects to not be as great or or be cheesy in some way, be homemade-ish, yeah. or some of the performances to be um, to be cheesy. Wooden, yeah. Yeah, wooden or, or, yeah. Some, or you know, like the, like the actors weren't taking it seriously, but mm-hmm. I feel like everybody sold it really well. And then, and the scene with like, um, uh, I, I don't know the actress's name, the, uh, there's so many people in this movie, <laughs> but, the you know, the Bedelia, I guess, you know, the character, yeah. Like she's really sells that scene when she's like sitting in front of the grave drunkenly yeah. yelling at her father's grave and then yeah. he just like comes out and there's like maggots in his face <laughs> and like and then the um you know when Ed Harris goes out to the grave and he like falls into it mm. and then he starts trying to get up and then like, the stone is like about to fall on him. Yeah. And then the I guess Bedelia's body like comes out and like grabs him really quick like yeah all those little moments um got kind of frightening you know yeah yeah um which was which was really interesting you know i like like i said i expected it to be a little cheesier but it was like building the tension really well yeah and then when he uh <laughs> when he finally goes into the house and <laughs> He's like, where's my cake? And then he just like twists the lady's neck and breaks her <laughs> neck. Just caught me so off guard. Um, and it's like moments like that that I'm kind of excited to watch this with, you know, a group of people. One yeah. Night, you know, because yeah. I feel like it just. I, I mean, obviously, they got to like tie the story up really quick. So they're just like, mm-hmm. yeah, he just like breaks her neck and moves on. and. <laughs> And then I guess rips her head off because he makes his yeah. cake. He does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it that might actually be my favorite of the stories. Oh, really? The Father's Day one. Yeah. So yeah, far. it is a strong one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, mine's coming up. I think that I, I was thinking long and hard about which one would be like my favorite. Yeah. Um, Mine's coming up. Okay, cool. So next we have The Lonesome Death of Gordy Veril. Veril? Yeah. Is it Gordy or Jordy? I might, uh, I think it's. I mean, it's spelled with a J. Yeah, but everyone, I think everyone, I've heard Stephen King pronounce it Gordy. Yeah. I think it's just spelled weird. Mm, Yeah. Uh, Um, But yeah, so this is a little bit of a. Um, bottle um, segment in terms of it just happens with one character in one house. Yeah. Um, and I think, and that character is Stephen King. Yeah. And I had no idea that that was Stephen King no. until I finished the film. And, oh. <laughs> yeah. And then was looking up the actors. I, I felt like he looked really familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And, and almost looked kind of like, um, I, like Zac Efron or something like, mm. <laughs> you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I had no idea it was him. Well, so he didn't, you didn't twig that it was a author acting no. instead of an actor <laughs> acting. <laughs> I mean, no, because I, I, like I said, it's like, I 
especially with like horror films and low budget horror films, I always expect to there to be just <laughs> yeah. you know be yeah. be actors, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. BC actors, you know. Um, but I thought he did an amazing job. He you did, know? Yeah. like <laughs> yeah. You know, there was nothing about his performance that made me think like this guy has never acted before. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's such a like a just a small little vignette really in between um so an asteroid kind of hits on his farm and um gordy verrill is kind of a little um less i don't know intelligent than the normal person (laughs) i I Uh should say um and the the thing from inside the meteor kind of follows or gets inside his house and slowly turns everything including him into like like a moss grass substance until he kind of disintegrates. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's just the kind of him accidentally touching things and then touching himself and just slowly becoming more and more moss like, mm-hmm. you know, some really great uh, makeup Yeah. in this one. And, and set know. design. Like, I mean, they had yeah. to put those plants all over everything. Yeah. Not down there. yeah and his just his whole like his performance is just so wacky and funny yeah and uh and then there's the whole like imaginary sequence where he's like i wonder what they'd pay for it at the college and the guy's like offering him two (laughs) hundred dollars and he thinks that's just like so much money And then, and then he, and then the meteor breaks, and he gets another uh, imaginary sequence where the guy's yeah. like, "It's worth nothing." Yeah, two hundred dollars <laughs> for a broken meteor. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then it gets. I mean, I, as as with anything horror or Stephen King, mm-hmm. you expect things to get pretty dark, and it gets really dark. Yeah, at the end. Yeah. Um. Because the only way out is to kill himself. It is, yeah. Um, um, which he does. Yeah. But as a grass person. Yes. So it kind of takes you out until the blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're kind of like, oh, cool, that, that hill has got a show. Oh, wait, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, um, like, it the behind-the-scenes stuff on this thing is really cool. There's a, a documentary about the film I think made in 2007 called just desserts. Mm. Um, you can find it on YouTube. Um, but, but yeah, the detail that they went into, I mean, they they had to make that whole moss thing, like put it all over everything, make the costume, uh, especially for the end, you know, when he does shoot himself, they had to like make it explode and like make it safe for the person that was like in it. Yeah. Um and apparently every time they would uh blow the head off it would catch on fire. <laughs> so they had to do it like three times. Wow. Um and then also another crazy thing is uh the, apparently there was like a local airport closer there or like a pri- I don't know. It wasn't like a big airport but like a, yeah. kind of like a smaller private airport. Yeah. Um but pilots would fly over that um you know, kind of field or wherever where they built the house and put all the moss yeah. and stuff. And uh, 
it would like throw them off because that was like a landmark to know that they were getting close to the airport and then all of a sudden they start flying over and there's a house there that looks like it's been there for a hundred years with like (laughs) moss all over it so uh yeah it's just kind of funny wow that's dead interesting um i mean there's not a lot to say about this one yeah i mean it's pretty it's pretty short i i do have more i want to say when we get to like talking about the film as a whole but yeah yeah i feel like I was surprised that it didn't carry on in that vein in terms of we get like a longer form story and then like a little standalone vignette. I thought that after the next one, um, the fourth out of the five would be another like, you know, five, ten minutes like that. Yeah. Or it's just a little story until leading into a big one. But yeah, um, that was the only one of, of that's like that, you know, apart yeah. from the end one, really. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, it, and it, and it is, but it's kind of nice. It's like, you know, they're all very different. You don't know, yeah. especially with starting off with those two, um, you have no idea what to expect next. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and next we get something to tide you over. Which is a curveball. Yeah. Again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <coughs> Leslie Nielsen, um, Ted Danson. Yeah. And... Is it Galen Ross? Yeah, that's her. Mm. So, um, yeah, and it's kind of like, you know, different setting, you know, this kind of nice house that, um, I guess it starts off with, with Ted Danson, right? It does, yeah. 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 Um, which I don't know, Ted, when I watched, you know, watched the film, yeah. I, I, I didn't know him from that much, I guess the you know, his big thing was cheers right after mm. this. Um, and, uh, but we did just start watching. Well, Sarah's been a big fan of the good place. I don't know if you've yeah. ever seen it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I am now a fan of the good place. Um, we've been kind of binge watching it. We're on season two now and he's really, really good in that. So it's kind of fun yeah. to be like, to have watched this kind of the same time. Yeah. Um, and then Leslie Nielsen, like I know a lot of people know him from Airplane, Airplane. and The Naked Gun. Yeah. Um and I think I've probably seen Airplane maybe, like as a kid or something, but yeah. um I always knew him from Mr. Magoo. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> and he's always like it's always fun when he shows up, you know what I mean? It is. Yeah, when I saw his name kind of on the opening credits, I was like that's going to be the comedy, you know, mm. but it wasn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's kind of, he's very sinister and severe throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with Ted Danson, you know, being a, a huge fan of Frasier, I obviously, he shows up in a Frasier episode and you have to kind of be aware of his character from Cheers. Yeah. Um, not that I've ever watched it, but so it was cool to see a very, very young Ted Danson. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And everybody's great in it. You know, it's yeah. a very, um, like you said, sinister uh, story. I mean, mm-hmm. they all are, but, yeah. um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a very simple in a lot of ways, but also mm-hmm. just effed up. <laughs> yeah. I think um, this was my favorite segment. Really? Yeah. 
so why is that you think i'm a i'm a huge fan of kind of like psychological horror you know yeah. and and i feel like stephen king does does that better than anybody else which is not really saying anything new um there there is a there's a book and a film um uh that he that he made um leslie's story um about a woman who gets ends up handcuffed to a bed in the middle of nowhere alone um and that is super freaky and this just reminded me of that it was mm. that kind of like there's no way out yeah you know, and this tide is coming in and you, you can't really save the person you really love yeah you know um and i feel like he does that so well i mean the tension just built and built you know you, it was kind of like okay what is he doing yeah. Like, where is the wife? Oh, she's in the hole as well. He's going to have to watch her die. You know, it was just kind of just kept amping up until the end when it was like, okay, this is just taking a complete left turn mm-hmm. and it's a very satisfying ending. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, you get these like moss, um, seaweed zombies. Yeah. Ocean zombies. Yeah. His wife and her lover, Ted Danson, that he pretty much drowned mm-hmm. on the beach. Um, come back to to get him. Yeah. Um. And yeah. and then the and then the the those last shots of Leslie, like being f- like screaming, and freaking out. Yeah. Caught me off guard too because I was I don't think I've ever seen a performance like that from him. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Exactly. It's very different. Yeah. Yeah. And he looks genuine, genuinely terrified. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and I always love it when there's films from like the the eighties and nineties that that show high tech things that oh, yeah. like his house mm-hmm. and I was just like it's so dated now but I just love to watch it and just you know what was considered high tech yeah it had all these security cameras and uh, and know, all the could... the TVs and the VCR yeah. that he like brings out to the to yeah, the water exactly. and and also at the beginning he's like trying to give Ted Dance and tips on. His TV mm. signal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, apparently Leslie was, you know, just super goofy on the set. Like had a fart I machine bet. with him. We <laughs> 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 would just use it all the time. Um, and I, I guess... I do recommend watching um, Airplane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, it still holds up. You yeah. know, some jokes are a little bit dated, but I mean, I always hear about it. Like, I, I yeah. mean, it, you know, I watch a lot of like comedy stuff and, and yeah. comedi- comedian stand up and you know behind the scenes stuff, and everybody always talks about that movie. Yeah. Um, but apparently, this was uh, at the time in 1982. This was kind of pre Leslie uh, Nielsen being known for comedy. Yeah. Um. That that all kind of came after this, but apparently on the set he was still, you know, hilarious. Yeah, because the Naked Gun films came like later in the eighties. Yeah, Airplane had already happened, I think. But yeah, Naked Gun was eighty eight. Yeah, yeah, and then obviously Ted Danson, like you said, still had to do Cheers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. So this is all, I mean, they're all kind of known, but this yeah. is like, some of it is very pre, pre, predates that, you know? Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. which is cool. It's cool that they, you know, I mean, they didn't pick unknowns necessarily, but they, they pick the right people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it yeah, It's one of those things where I think, in like in hindsight, they got it right because the the younger cast you kind of know, you know. Obviously, when we get to the crate, you know, it's kind of more older people, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not as familiar with those, I don't think, as you know, people that we've seen recently or yeah. who are still acting. Um, but yeah, I mean, they get it right. You know, there's obviously the casting was. Like spot on to find these people. Yeah. Um and it just it just makes it like just has that extra layer of the enjoyment, you know, if there's someone like you said in the Father's Day segment when um Ed Harris shows up, you're like, Oh cool, here we go. You know, yeah. I know that guy. <laughs> um Yeah. So it's fun to to kind of hitch your wagon to, to someone that you know. Yeah. Um but yeah, this is this was my favorite segment. I think um the 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 horror side of it was a little bit different to the other ones apart from the ending where it does go full kind of um comic book horror yeah um but yeah it was it was a lot of not really fun but a bit more psychological which i enjoyed yeah um and then that leads us on to the crate which is the second to last segment um and the longest and, and the longest yeah, yeah and the most interesting mhm I think that um, it's there's a lot of, of layers to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I really like the premise of it. Um, so uh, they find a crate that was kind of forgotten about in a in a university college under some stairs, um, and when they pull it out and open it up, it held it holds what like a yeti. Yeah, like a Tasmanian devil kind of like yeah, uh, yeah, just otherworldly or just ancient creature. Yeah, that starts tearing people up and <laughs> yeah. devouring them and um, and stuff. And 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 the backdrop to this is a very very unhappy marriage. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, we've got kind of gets interwoven. We've got Hal Hallbrook, Adrian yeah. Barbu, and uh, Fritz Weaver, kind of the three mains. Mm-hmm. And this, and um, I don't know any of them really. Yeah. I, like it, it seemed like in the behind the scenes stuff, like they were pretty big. Um, yeah, Adrian Barbu uh, was married to um, John Carpenter at one point. Mm. Maybe she was still married to him when they were making this film. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. Yeah, it's it's you know, a very unhappy marriage and then you also have this like kind of predator guy. Yeah. That's like friends yeah. with the guy that's in the unhappy marriage. Yeah. Um I think it does a really good job of interweaving and kind of having payoffs from because mm-hmm. at the beginning there's kind of a prolonged um like party kind of cocktail reception scene where we're getting to meet some of the characters and uh and you know, he goes across to the the predator type character, and he's like, "I guess we're not playing chess tonight." Yeah, you know, and then that pays off later when you know he tells his wife that he's had to cover for him before. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's obviously something that he's done regularly. Yeah, is cover for him to kind of try and help him clean up messes and stuff. Um, 
but yeah, it's just it. I think it's a really well crafted story. Yeah. Um, and then there's obviously the the <laughs> the creature. Yeah. Um, which is which is pretty scary. I mean, yeah. I was thinking, you know, because I know that you said that you haven't seen it, but when I was watching it, you know, when you kind of picked this film, you said that you thought that you had seen it, mm-hmm. and it kind of like imprinted on you. And I was like, I feel like this is a, a gateway into more serious horror for like, I don't know, preteens. Yeah. Um, it's the kind of thing where it is spooky. I mean, to us, it's not. You can just tell it's like a man in a suit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I can imagine watching this as a younger, it would have terrified. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, really, really scared me. Um, yeah. You know, so it, it's kind of that borderline between... And I guess that's why it's comedy horror. It's not, you know, it's, I don't know who you would, I don't know who it's kind of advertised for. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because it's a very comic book. I mean, obviously the whole thing is like comic yeah. book themed. It's trying to be, it's trying to capture, capture the feel yeah. of a comic book. I mean, that was the whole inspiration was the EC comics, which apparently were like um, very kind of graphically disturbing and violent comic yeah. books um back in the day and um yeah just trying to capture that feeling i think you know i mean i think it's just geared towards just just horror fans but also just like those mm. people that that were their age that maybe read those comics so they were probably in their 30s or 40s at the time that yeah. this came out <clears throat> but i'm sure also younger audiences i mean obviously horror is always big with younger audiences too but mm-hmm. um I mean, the creature is pretty freaky. I mean, they they did a really good job with it. Some of it's like animatronic and stuff, and they also they do they do a good job of like not showing you too much at first. I mean, you do yeah. get like quick little glimpses of the whole thing, but it's very yeah. quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like the lighting changes a yeah. lot. You know, you get like yeah. this bright red and some blue, I think, mm-hmm. um, and like a lot of smoke and. Mm-hmm. It's it it it's got the feel of a of a carnival, you know, like you know when you go to kind of like a stage show, yeah. And this is how they kind of show you, like it's it's scary, you know. Yeah, yeah. When I put some fog and we change the lights a little bit, mm-hmm. um, which I liked. I think that for this it worked. You know, I can imagine in a comic book as well, you'd flip the page and it would be, you know, red and like like red like it'd pop out at you kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um... And then that that shot of, you know, when they're talking about, oh, he's in the bottom of the sea, you know, he'll never get yeah. out. And then the shot of just like the eyes, yeah, is, I probably maybe the scariest shot to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, it's freaky. <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, I wonder because I know that there's a second one. I wonder if that is there's a continuation of this. Um, um, story because it, it's ripe for it. From what I got, everybody hates the second one. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I, I don't think uh, many of the same people had anything no. to do with it. No. Um, I mean, there's probably a, an audience out there that does love the second one. I'm sure. Um, yeah. But uh, I think maybe only one of the stories was based on a. Stephen King's story that almost mm. was in this first one. Um, okay. But but they do there is a TV show now. There is. I think that's kind of 
like where I first heard of this properly mm. was when because it's what like three seasons in now something like that yeah um, when that launched on Shudder yeah you know, it's like oh it's based on the on the like eighties film you yeah know? um which is the same as Twilight Zone it worked I think it worked really well as a anthology series yeah because mm-hmm. each episode like Black Mirror each episode could you know be something a bit different yeah exactly yeah uh, so. yeah um and I know there's a that that show has been doing well from what I've read like oh cool you know Good. the fans really like it and there's yeah. a lot of passion and love for the creation of it um they even put the ashtray in like almost every episode nice um which is something that they do in this film the ashtray yeah. that uh bedelia uses to kill her father in the first um you know father's day sequence yeah. is in every every oh, one awesome. of these episodes yeah everyone yeah, noticed that is it <clears throat> um you'd have to kind of maybe watch a youtube video to find it all yeah but uh yeah it's there sometimes awesome. obvious sometimes not yeah yeah um but uh yeah adrian barbu and this the crate sequence is yeah. really really great <laughs> yeah her performance yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. and like it was crazy to me watching the behind the scenes stuff because she says she's never drank in her life before Wow! Wow, <laughs> she plays a drunk really well. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's like, yeah, it's like how, how, how? Yeah, <laughs> never being drunk before, being able to be that convincing as a drunk. Oh, she's probably been around a lot of drunk people though. Yeah, but yeah, been in the industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I feel like out of the five, this was the the baggiest. You know, there yeah. was. You could tell that. They were trying to stretch it out just a little bit, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, but overall, it works. I think that on a rewatch, it would probably work a little bit better, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing where it was going and not as interested in the in the what's in the crate, you know. Yeah, just more. wanting to see more shots of the yeah of the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that it all of them kind of offer something a little bit different. And I did like the the classic. This reminded me more of like the classic Universal Monsters mm. um, type of horror film, you yeah. Know? <clears throat> um, which I dug. I thought that it was a um, interesting kind of revamp up into the the eighties. Yeah, if that movie had been made today, like Frankenstein or Creature from the Black Lagoon, it would have been like that. You know, a lot of blood, yeah. a lot of people being horribly murdered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is probably the most gory, right? Yeah. Because it's, well, at least in terms of blood. Yeah, definitely. It's like mopping up buckets of blood on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also the yeah. thing I didn't get, you know, the I guess maybe the one criticism with, the, with it story-wise is like, how would they not get caught mm-hmm. in the end anyway? Because there is, yeah, yeah, okay, maybe there's no evidence of... um you know the monster yeah yeah of the, the monster or the or the creature killing them or whatever but yeah there's also no bodies like where you know yeah. do you think the police aren't going to be like hey where's your wife yeah and where's your protege that everyone knows you were going to go and meet that night yeah and all these people have just gone missing on the same night um and there's one connection which is these two guys yeah so 
We've been playing chess all night. <laughs> yeah. I've been having an affair with one of my students. It wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, maybe... I mean, the creature broke out, so maybe he kills them first anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he comes back and gets them. Yeah. So, yeah. Godzilla-type <laughs> sequel. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then we get to the final... Yeah. They're creeping up on you. Yeah. And I love like the transitions between each of these two where it's like it's it flicking through the pages. And yeah, it it turns mm. back into a comic book. Yeah. It, like freeze frames turns back into its comic book, pulls out of the panel, goes into a new panel. Um mm. it's a fun way to do it. It is, yeah. And it, I think that that's you know, it works as an anthology in that way. If it was just like fade to black and then doom 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 doom. Yeah. With the title you'd be like, okay. Yeah. But it it does feel like a like a, a whole piece of work then, I think, as opposed to like five separate stories. It is a like there's a beginning and an end and this is the middle, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yes, they're creeping up on you. The uh the the final segment um and my least favorite. I think <laughs> <laughs> and I think that the reason that is my least favorite is because it's one of those that I feel have been taken and like imitated and you know we've seen it kind of reproduced so mm. much now. Yeah. Um and I know that it can't have been original at this point either but it does it does feel like it did feel like something I'd seen before. Yeah. And I was like okay it's just going to get overrun and die in this house yeah yeah these cockroaches you know um and i think that was a shame because um and obviously he's a horrible character so i kind of wanted him to die as well um but it was a shame because like i said it did have those like it was at times pretty funny and you know it could have been really creepy and i imagine if you've got a phobia of some kind of bugs then this would send you screaming out of the theater yeah yeah for sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, it it definitely creeped me out. I mean, I was ready for it to get over so quick, which it yeah. is pretty quick. It's only like ten minutes or so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like kind of this despicable guy played by E.G. Marshall, and uh, yeah, I mean, it just starts off with him killing a roach, and then the yeah. you know, and he's like a neat freak and like a germaphobe, and and yeah, he just gets overrun with these these cockroaches to the point where like they're crawling out of his body at the end. Yeah. And it's just so disgusting. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Um, And apparently it was like one of the most expensive things on this film because each cockroach was like 50 cents. Yeah. And um, there's mixed trivia out there. I don't know. Like one piece of trivia says they had a 125 or they had 250,000 cockroaches, which I don't think is true based on uh, other things that I've read. But because if it was 250,000 cockroaches, it would be like $125,000 just for the cockroaches. Yeah, wow. Um, but in uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff, it's pretty funny because it was the one sequence where it was it was pretty difficult to film because like they would you know plop the roaches down and they would all run yeah. away. Yeah, within seconds and like hide under stuff, um, so it was hard to like. They had like ro- cockroach wranglers, like trying to like, oh <laughs> you know, get them in the shots and yeah. stuff. 
which is kind of crazy going back because there's even a, sh- a like a close up shot of like a cockroach peeking around the corner. Like, how did <laughs> yeah. they get that? <laughs> um, so those cockroach wranglers. They're just so yeah. Talented. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but they said that also the crew like as soon as they would like put the like bring the cockroaches out, the crew would just scatter. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm sure. There's yeah, no like, way to hey, control them, though. Got. You can't like yeah. keep them on the set. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's definitely one of the most disturbing things to watch. I mean, especially. I mean, I don't know. Like I said in, earlier, I don't know anyone who. I mean, I know people that aren't afraid of bugs at all, in any way. But like, even those people, I can't see them being like. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of like a it's a cruel way to end because, you know, we do get the the epilogue, but you do come out kind of itching and scratching and kind of looking yeah. out for cockroaches cuz I think that if it'd been put say if this had been like switched with the lonesome death of Jordy Vale or Veril, sorry. Um Yeah, but see, it's like it wouldn't have lasted in your mind, you know. Well, yeah. But also, I, I, maybe that was the point. They wanted people to yeah, come out exactly. of the theater scratching and itching and, yeah. and whatnot. Leaving them a little present. Because if it had been earlier, then some people might have just left and not come back. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because it's very... Like, there's there's prolonged shots of... It's kind of like they're in a tank. And they're just, like, piled on each other. Yeah. And, like, writhing around. And it's very visceral. Yeah. You know? Um Yeah. It's, that it's, that shot of them just like coming out of his body, yeah, is so gross. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, oh, but he yeah. got what was coming to him. He sure did. What a nasty piece of work. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then that brings us to the epilogue, yeah. Which you know we get back to Joe Hill mm-hmm. and um, his uh, father. I I don't remember do do they notice that the Oh, it's the trash guys, right? The trash yeah. guys find the comic book. Yeah, yeah and Tom do. Savini is one of the trash men, mm-hmm. which I I don't know if you know Tom Savini, but he's uh, he pops up in everything. Like he pops up yeah. in any like all these old horror movies and stuff. Like he's in a lot of George Romero stuff. He's in some of Robert Rodriguez's films. Mm. Um known for like horror effects. Like he did yeah, all he, the effects for this film. Uh, he he kind of changed the, the surface of like, like gore on, mm-hmm. you know, on screen. Um, yeah, wasn't he part of Friday the Thirteenth as well? Probably. I'm. I'm I think. Not sure. Yeah, like Kevin Bacon getting the arrow through his throat uh, and all that kind of stuff. You know, the 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 deaths that stick with you. Yeah. Um, is all down to him, I believe. He also trained Greg Nicotero, which is mm. a famous special effects guy does yeah. you know he he's do greg nicotero is one of the showrunners or or one of the main people doing the new creep show oh nice series okay. too so keeping um, it pretty in the family kind of thing yeah but then tom savini is also you know he always has all these cameos and sometimes bigger yeah. characters too so every time i see him i'm like oh there he is you know <laughs> and he's he's got a quick little part in this but he's he's really funny he's yeah it's like it's a comic book um but they noticed that uh the voodoo doll um 
coupon or whatever has been mm-hmm. cut out mm-hmm. of this thing. And then we find out the kid has it and he's stabbing his <laughs> his dad in the <laughs> neck with needles. Yes. <laughs> um which is kind of satisfying, I guess. Yeah. For the end. It's just that yeah, it's it just ties it all together, you know. There's if you think about it, there's the one thing missing from like watching a comic book is you don't get the the adverts and the you know the kind of yeah. the extra bits, you know, and they've kind of managed to add that in and um and just kind of give that little vignette at the end. So yeah. it works really well. Now there's there's uh kind of two themes I feel like that do have a a through line. Um, yeah. The main one, the main obvious one, I think, is uh, revenge. Yeah. These are kind yeah. of all revenge stories. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, with the the prologue and epilogue, the kid gets revenge on his dad. Um, yeah. Bedelia gets revenge on her father, but the father also gets revenge on Bedelia. Mm-hmm. Um, the the one that I'm having the hardest time making a case for is the um, the Gordy one, the lonesome yeah. death of Gordy, because uh, it's just him. But I mean, you know, it's kind of revenge of the universe or yeah. revenge of the <laughs> of the meteor. Maybe got mad at him for yeah. calling their juice shit. Um, <laughs> Meteor shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, so kind of revenge of the the plants or the universe. Uh, and then the the Ted Danson one um, is, you know, Leslie Nielsen getting revenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Or And then they also come back and get revenge yeah. on him. Um, uh, the crate is like the the husband... Yeah, you know, getting revenge yeah. on his wife for all the verbal abuse and embarrassment that he's gotten from having her at parties, yeah. uh, and then they're creeping up on you. Is I mean, like, sort of revenge of the cockroaches, I guess. But um, but I mean, you, it's like the the wife you know there's the whole phone call with the wife like the of the wife of the guy who committed suicide because of this guy yeah. you know so she it's almost like she gets her revenge or something yeah and there's all there's you know tied into that revenge theme there is also the people getting what they deserve in the end yeah you know um not so again not so much gaudy i guess but something to tide you over Leslie Nielsen gets what he deserves yeah the crate the not quite say they get what they deserve, but the wife, you're kind of like, oh, thank goodness she's, you know, we don't have to hear her screeching anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're creeping up on you. It's the same, like, he, he gets what he deserves in the end. It's like yeah. his biggest fear realized. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely, like, like connections between all of them. It's not, okay, here's something completely different. Right, Yeah. Um, the other thing that I was trying to figure out if, if there was a, a central theme was the theme of like fathers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fathers father's keep, day, obviously. Well, yeah. Father's day, but also, you know, there's like the abuse of father in the, mm-hmm. the prologue and then there in the Gordy one, his father sh- shows up in the mirror. Yeah. 
Um, and then, uh, but then like the something to tidy over and like the other ones, not, I, I can't, yeah, couldn't really to... find anything hmm. there, but you know, I don't, I don't think these things were necessarily done on purpose, but it is interesting to like, yeah, kind of see. Think, yeah. There's definitely, I think quite a lot of it as well as just Stephen King, like the things that interest him come out yeah. as well. You know, his books are just full of like people, abusive marriages and, and like, I don't know, absent fathers or abusive fathers. And, you know, there's yeah. a lot of like, obviously, um, like horror, which is what he's known for. But the horror normally comes from like people being horrible to each other. Yeah. You know, and the, the, you know, the, um, the thing from the crate or, um, the meteor is just used to highlight that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it works. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, well, I mean, that's, uh, that's creep show. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing. Um, apparently this was George Romero's only number one quote unquote film for one week. Oh man. As far as like opening. You know, yeah. Yeah. And, and having a number one film, which, uh, is a shame, but I mean, it is people, yeah. people know who he is. They, they should go back and watch all of his stuff. He was That's making right. films Every- right up till the end. Every time I watch Night of the Living Dead, I just cannot believe just how brilliant that film is mm-hmm. in terms of horror and just American society as a whole. Yeah, it's got the uh, it's got one of the most devastating endings to a film I've ever seen. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's phenomenal. Yeah, the ending's not phenomenal, but the film as a whole is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I just needed to get my night. Every time I talk about Romero, I'm like, I need to talk about Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. <laughs> it is amazing, dude. It's, it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's a great filmmaker. Yeah. Coming out on 4K soon, I think, from Criterion. Oh, sweet. I'm going to have to get it. Yeah. <coughs> um, yeah, I think that's all I have for Yeah, me too. I mean, it. yeah, it's. Uh, it. I feel like it's a film that you're not going to get anymore. With the rise of TV, it's such a singular experience. You know, yeah. these anthology films just don't happen anymore. Yeah. Um, so it's really, it's just, it, yeah, it's nice to watch something like this that's a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, especially like theater releases for anthology yeah. films. I don't think we'll ever get something like this again. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone would. I know that the budget wasn't very, but very big. But nobody would put the money in for it to go into the theater. Yeah, you know that's the thing. It's now. like you it's might like, see a film like this pop up on Netflix, but yeah, it's you're not gonna. Yeah, it's not gonna be the caliber of people involved. Yeah, you know, it's it's an example of a bygone era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's guess what each of us rated this on Letterboxd. We yeah. do we do this at the end of each episode where we try to guess and uh, on Letterbox we rate it um, out of five stars. So mm. I've got I've got two in mind and I don't know whether to go like ambitious or like pessimistic. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, 
I'm going to say you rated this three and a half. All right. I'm going to say you rated this two and a half. I was going to say three, but. Yeah. Since you, you were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I give it four out of five. I gave it three and a half out of five. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, by my little letterbox ranking system. Yeah. Um, I read what I put for a freestyle film, and I was like, no, I think it's better than that. Yeah. You know. Um, so yeah, three and a half. But four, that's great. Yeah, I mean, my gut feeling was three for you, but uh, yeah. because you said three and a half for me, I went lower because I was mm. like, because usually, I don't know, I feel like I rate things averagely higher. Mm. than you do sometimes yeah i think that it just it just worked you know there were some bits that just didn't quite work but i'm also i'm looking at it from what 40 years later yeah and it's like yeah some things aren't quite gonna work now yeah yeah but at the time you know it, it was an enjoyable two hours mm-hmm. so um, yeah 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 it was great yeah so continuing with our Darnish Horror Month. <laughs> what are we watching next week? Now, I um, did not know that this would be so related to the film that we watched this week when I yeah. picked it. I, I picked it before I'd watched Creepshow, um, before I I knew that you had picked Creepshow. Yeah. Um, and what I'm doing, I had a look for a director that I really liked and picked a film that I hadn't seen of his that's kind of like horror related. Um, the director I picked was John Carpenter. Ah. Um, and the film that we're going to be watching next week is The Fog from oh, okay. 1980, starring Adrienne Barbio, Barbio and yeah. Hal Holbrook. Ah, interesting. Um, with oh, wow. Jamie Lee Curtis, Janet Lee, John Houseman. Um, but a film that, you know, with Carpenter, I feel like I always go for the thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, but this is one that I've been wanting to watch for a while. The poster is incredibly iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, love Jamie Lee Curtis. So I'm excited to watch this with you next week. Yeah, same. This looks uh, amazing. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Sweet. Taking them off the list. Hell yeah. I'm excited. Looking forward to that. Sweet, sweet. Um, yeah, so that's the end of, of this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please um, share the show. You can find us um, on all the social medias at Film Church Radio, of course. And if you want to follow Lewis and I individually, you can find us both on Letterboxd, uh, which is the um, film social media app where you can log everything you watch. And both Lewis and I do that, so you can keep up with us on there and see what we rate things on a daily basis. Uh, you can find me at Selman Scope, and Lewis you can find at WalkerLewis3007. You can also find us on all good streaming podcast platforms, um, so please share us with everyone. And we're also on YouTube where we have some extra content there. Um, but yeah, go um, find us. Yeah, we're there. <clears throat> Be a part of the church. <laughs> um but yeah the only thing i have left 
left to say is Happy Father's Day, everyone. Where's the cake, Brandon? I want my cake! Oh, <laughs> uh, say your film church prayers, everyone. <laughs> Amen. Amen.